You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. On today's show, we're going to talk all things SEC with our buddy Carter Bryant. He does the uh, Power Hour LSU, but covers all things SEC as well. We'll get his thoughts on, well, just about every team in the conference going into this weekend. So that will be a lot of fun. Also, uh, always fun to visit with Lynn Scarborough of lindysports.com. We'll get his thoughts on the Heisman race as well as the college football playoff rankings. What happens now that Ohio State is going to uh, basically get voted into that they only need to play five games. They can go play the Big Ten title game against Northwestern. And what does that mean for Texas A&M? Does that basically leave them out in the cold now with not playing a game this week and not being able to earn enough credit to get into the uh, SEC, or rather the college football playoff. We'll uh, discuss all that with Lynn Scarborough. But I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, a little bit of breaking news real quick as LSU has announced that they are putting a self-imposed one-year bowl ban on themselves this season that adds to the penalty uh, list in an ongoing NCAA infractions case. So LSU's season is going to end against Ole Miss next week on December 19th. The postseason ban uh, was initially part of the conversation between the NCAA and LSU while they were having this ongoing infractions case. Initially, the university backed away from that penalty, but... With two games remaining, the season not going so well for LSU, it seems like that is the smarter decision to impose the bowl ban, and they will not go to a bowl game this year for the first time in a really long time. Uh, For those wondering, though, if LSU is even going to be bowl eligible, the answer is yes. A lot of people are going to bowl games this year, and a lot of them with losing records. The reality is there's just too many bowl games to fill, and you're not going to have enough teams with winning records keep in mind all those easy cupcake games you would have gotten in an eight and four or six and six type season going full conference for instance in the sec uh, a team that might have gone six and six in a normal year went three and seven this year because the added level of competition instead of playing your cupcakes you got more sec teams and that's just the reality of the situation and that is your breaking news on lsu all right, let's jump right into it. Our buddy Carter, the Power Bryant, joins us now from the Power Hour LSU. CarterThePower.com is his website. Talking a ton on that LSU-Alabama debacle from last Saturday. Carter, where where is the state of the LSU football program right now? My goodness, to go from 11 months ago, Heisman Trophy winner, undefeated season, national champions, now they got kids transferring or sitting out or leaving the program left and right. Yeah, and the, the big question here, Gordy, is not so much what's on the field, it's what's off the field that is really having a lot of LSU fans question everything. And it's, it's funny how that works, Chris. It's like, okay, well, everything off the field is going great when you're winning. But when you're losing, those off-the-field problems just expound even more. And then that championship buy-in from the players becomes a little harder to do. And then whenever you factor in social justice movements and you factor in a lot of other things that are happening right now in our society, you know, Chris, it's fascinating. And uh, I'm doing a deep dive on this right now on my YouTube channel. 
it's not just LSU that struggles to keep five stars on campus. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. These kids are more powerful than they've ever been before, and they know it. And here's the thing, Chris, for all your diehard SEC college football fans that listen to your show, you got to be open to this. There's going to be more guys, now that transfer rules are more lax, that are going to test the waters and try new schools if they don't like where they currently are. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because, uh, you know, Eric Gilbert, the kid that we're talking about, the five-star, number one tight end in the country who goes to LSU, was having a great freshman season. He, uh, you know, says that basically he's homesick, his body's tired, and he used the word, and I think this is a dangerous territory to go into just when we talk about college sports, that uh, mentally he's not right and that a lot of kids are not doing well mentally. And when you talk mental illness, my goodness, if you're the NCA, you do not want to find yourselves in a bind of questioning 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds and mental illness and wanting to transfer to be closer to home. So uh, when you use that terminology, i got to think the NCA is going to say, hey, immediately eligible, wherever he wants to go. And that's just, a, a, I'd say, a dangerous territory, just an, an odd place to go because if kids start using that as an excuse, I don't know how the NCAA could say no to that. And here's the thing, Chris. I mean, a lot of five-stars have used excuses like that to be able to play immediately wherever they are. I mean, it's not, not just Eric Gilbert. And I don't mean to say excuse. He might be dealing with mental illnesses. Sure. But truth of the matter is, you know, whether it's Justin Fields or Cade Mays or anyone like that, you know, the NCAA, with everything that's coming forward with the NIL, they're going to allow players to have more power. And here's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. There is a huge difference between a four-star and a five-star. And the reason why that's the case is because well, a lot of four-stars, if they want to go to a big school, most of them need to commit relatively quickly. That's different for a five-star recruit. That's different for an Eric Gilbert. That's different for a Mason Smith or a Corey Foreman because you want to know why? They know that the schools are always going to have a slot open for them, and they'll make room to come whenever they want to go. So that's the thing, LSU fans, that everyone needs to remember about Eric Gilbert is that he knew when he went to LSU that if he decided to go somewhere else, don't you think Nick Saban would love to have an Eric Gilbert? Don't you think Georgia would love to have an Eric Gilbert back in Georgia? Don't you think Dan Mullen would love to have the the direct heir apparent to, to Kyle Pitts when he goes yeah. to the end? <laughs> so, so, and, and this is what makes it even more fascinating, Chris, that Eric Gilbert's been pretty good, even though I don't think LSU has used him the absolute best. This is a crazy stat. Since 2009, there has been only one true freshman tight end that has had 30 or more catches. Chris, do you know who that is? Gosh, since 2009. Um, I guess just tell me. I mean, I'd, be th- I'd be guessing names all day. It was Jalen Wertermeyer, who's currently at Texas A&M. Oh, now, wow. now, why is that important? Yeah, it's crazy. So not O.J. Howard, who was unreal. Not Hunter Henry, who played at Arkansas and played a lot right away. Not even he got the 30 catches. Eric Gilbert in a shattered offense and an offense that's had a lot of volatility at quarterback and on the offensive line, Eric Gilbert has 35 catches. 
And even with all of that, you, you begin to wonder, why was he, is he unhappy with this role? Is he unhappy with his touches? Uh, what, what's the deal here? So even with all of that, he, he's been pretty good. More with Carter Bryant right after this. Yo, folks, it's almost the weekend, and that means time to go to the local corner store or the grocery or wherever you go and stock up on some ice-cold Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment. It is made to chill. It is the best out there. It is the best way to relax and enjoy a college football Saturday, and it's the way I go every single Saturday. You'll find me on my couch with a Coors Light in one hand, the remote in the other, and I'm flipping back and forth from game to game and doing it while relaxing with our buddies at Coors Light. They are cold lagered. They are cold filtered, cold packaged, literally made the chill. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for any moment to unwind. I always crack it open right when kickoff is happening. That's when you see the blue mountains on the side of the can. You know it is ice cold. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you guys want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. That's Coors Light. You can get them in their new look cans at their website. Get coreslight.com you don't even need to leave your house they'll bring it right to your doorstep and please remember to celebrate responsibly Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado Hey, tomorrow on the show, you don't want to miss it. We're going to talk some SEC recruiting with Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com covers uh, the big, large area of the South, a lot of the states where SEC schools are. Keeps up with all of it. We'll hit on some of the big-time recruits and what to expect with signing day coming up. That's Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com tomorrow on Locked on SEC. Continue our conversation with Carter Bryant talking all things SEC. And, Carter, we're a week away from the SEC title game. All eyes will be on Atlanta as Alabama takes on Florida. Both those teams We'll have games to play this week. Alabama's on the road at Arkansas. They're 32-point favorites. LSU uh, is going on the road to play Florida in the Swamp in their house. Florida's a 23-point home favorite. What's the goal for both of those teams this week? Is it build a little momentum, get an early lead, pull your starters? Like what? What's going to be the mindset for Saban and Mullen this week? Because obviously you don't want to have any big injuries ahead of the big game a week from now. They also know that Heisman trophies do a lot for your program as well. So it's one thing to, to play them a lot and pull your starters, but you know, I remember this clear as day, Chris Gordy. It's, you know, back then, the, the Jim McElwain, Treon Harris days, Alabama's beating down Florida. They kept feeding Derrick Henry. He had 40-plus carries in that game. 40-plus carries in a game that they basically kind of sort of had in hand. So these coaches love it when their guys win Heisman trophies. It's really good for your program. Gordy, you and I are LSU guys. We saw what Joe Burrow did for, for us. So every time you get one of those guys and you're able to build a statue and get all that positive recruitment and you can call your recruit up, hey, we want you to be the, the next statue next to Spurrier and Trask. So with that in mind, I would be shocked if they pulled their guys early, especially if the games are competitive. So with that said, obviously both of those teams are going to do pretty well. The difference here, though, Gordy, can the Florida offense stop an LSU offense that was able to move the ball some? I think they will, and I think both those games will be over pretty quickly. A&M, their game against Ole Miss postponed. Um 
I mean, I know some people have joked, hey, A&M should go play Ohio State this week. There's no appeal for Ohio State to do that. Of course, we know the news that uh, the Big Ten's going to flex their rules and say, yeah, you don't really have to play six games anymore. And So Ohio State has no incentive to play. But for A&M, man, what, what else can they do? They can't play another team, and that's kind of it for them. They'll, they're going to finish with uh, Tennessee next week. But uh, Tennessee would no – or Texas A&M, rather, would no chance to improve their resume here for the playoff committee. Yeah, they they needed this game because Ole Miss Ole Miss is a, a sexy team, and you know whether you like it or not, whether you like them or not, Lane Kiffin you know has a name, and if you beat Lane Kiffin, you know whether it was Kentucky, whether it was Alabama, whether it's it was whoever, Lane Kiffin for the most part has coached pretty well for this Ole Miss team this year. So, you know Jimbo loses a game and. Let's be honest, Texas A&M with the eye test, Chris. Remember, the eye test is what matters, okay? The eye test, Texas A&M is not a good eye test team. Their offense is very clunky. They don't, and, and it's kind of weird to say this, Chris. Out of all the SEC teams, A&M probably has the, the, the worst skill possession guys in the SEC West, maybe outside of Wordermeyer. Uh, Spiller's okay, but overall... They're not really a sexy team, so they really needed as many wins as they possibly could, and obviously uh, that's not going to be the case. Uh, does I keep bringing this hypothetical up, and I, I think it's really funny but if it happens, but if Tennessee loses to Vanderbilt, winless Vanderbilt, coachless Vanderbilt, I, I think that's got to be the last straw, and I think Jeremy Pruitt is no longer the Tennessee coach in two weeks. <sighs> if only Tennessee's great offensive line was on LSU. Ah, but no, for real. Yeah, I, I not that offensive line. Tennessee has just really, really struggled on both sides of the ball, which is kind of a shame because you know, Jeremy Pruitt's done some good things in recruiting. They got Dylan Brooks, an edge guy that I really like out of Alabama, and obviously that's going to change a lot up for the future of that program. Ironically, he made the decision to start Eric Gilbert's former teammate, the true freshman quarterback, his name slips my mind or whatever. But yeah, that that program's in shambles. They're they're obviously going to want to get an offensive guy. Who that's going to be, I, I have no idea. But obviously, if Tennessee doesn't blow out Vanderbilt, a program that's given them a lot of issues over the year, uh, good old Jeremy could go on ahead and get his job ready for Alabama defensive analyst next year. <laughs> All right, same realm. If Auburn, obviously, look, a chance for Auburn to go win at Mississippi State, finish 6-4. and four. It's not great, but it's not terrible. And Gus Malzahn and Bo Nix hit the reset button. They're ready to go for next year. If Auburn loses this game and they drop to 5-5, five and five, is Gus Malzahn handed his walking papers? Gus Malzahn made the worst coaching hire to bring in Chad Morris. <laughs> I, I think about this. All the time. And every appearance I've had on your show, Chris, I've just trashed Auburn, even though, you know, they beat LSU 48 to 11 earlier this year. But I, I, I re- I've thought long and hard about it. And, you know, I really think the Chad Morris hire is worse than the Bo Pelini hire at LSU, simply because, at least with Bo Pelini, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. Chad Morris completely ripped to shreds the Arkansas football program. And it's interesting that Arkansas has been so much better this year with a lot of the same guys that they had on the roster last year. So that directly tells us that they had a rancid head coach and Chad Morris, you know, 
Gus Malzahn say to himself, hey, uh, let's get this guy. We, we've got to get this guy, the guy that was the worst coach ever. He's going to spark our offense. So I just don't get it. I, I, I've never understood it. But overall, Chris, I'm a Malzahn defender. It is such a disadvantage for Auburn every year to have to play Georgia. And I think that's not said enough. And when you compare the records of, let's say, Gus Malzahn and Jimbo Fisher, well, Jimbo Fisher, his record at A&M in recent years has been better. Well, A&M, with the way the SEC old schedule used to be, got to play South Carolina every year, and they beat them every year, where the exact opposite is true for Auburn because they have to play Georgia every year, and Georgia's obviously pretty good. So when you factor all of that in and you factor in that Gus has beaten Alabama quite a bit with all things considered, I think you have him around, but you got to get rid of Chad Morris, even though that, that buyout money's not going to be fun. A really intriguing game in the SEC this week, Carter. Uh, number nine, Georgia's at number 25, Missouri. I, a few weeks ago, had Sam Pittman as my SEC coach of the year, and I don't want to take anything away from him. He, it, he has done worked wonders at that program for what expectations were, but they have lost four of their last five now. Missouri and what Eli Drinkwitz has done, my goodness, at five and three, impressive to say the least, but if they can win this game or, or even just be in the game against Georgia, I think that really sets up a program. When you talk about a freshman quarterback and Connor Bazelak, what he's been able to do. On the flip side, Georgia, look, they finally started to find success with JT Daniels, and the future looks bright for them. They want to carry that momentum, not just to end this season, but carry it into the offseason because Georgia could be a really sexy team next year if JT Daniels keeps running this offense like he, like he is. I- I love Georgia's future. I like JT Daniels a lot, and obviously you're going to get George Pickens back next year, who's just phenomenal. But, you know, it's it's fascinating with what Eli Drinkwitz has done. I think one thing that's helped him a lot is, you know, Nick Bolton, probably the best or second-best linebacker in the SEC. You know, even when he was knocked out of the game for targeting this past week against Arkansas, he was on the sideline barking out orders. So, yeah, I mean – I, I, if I had a vote for coach of the year, I would still give it to, to Sam Pittman. Maybe, you know, with all my friends growing up in Arkansas, maybe it's, you know, me seeing them so sad for so long and finally them being happy. But, you know, if Drinkwitz wins this game, he's coach of the year, period, in, in all of college football. I still like Georgia to, to roll, but Connor Bazelak, I, I, I mess his name up all the time, he's a really good player. So Georgia's definitely going to have to stop him if they're going to win this game. Last thing for you, Carter. If you had a Heisman vote, who would get it right now? I'll tell. I'll just tell you right now. I've been on the Kyle Trask bandwagon this whole time. He's been tremendous. The touchdown totals. I mean, even with compared to Mac Jones, he's 11 more touchdowns right now than Mac Jones. But on the flip side, I, Devontae Smith has really moved up in my books. I know it's hard for a wide receiver to win it, but – I look at the transitive property. Mac Jones is nothing without Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith without Mac Jones would probably still be doing it, whoever the hell's throwing him the football. So uh, Devontae Smith, I think right now, depending on what happens this week and next, might be my Heisman vote. He would be mine too. And, you know, LSU just couldn't stop him. They they tried to put a safety over the top. You know, there's discussion about what they should have done with Stingley and whatnot. We could have a different discussion about that in any other day of the week. But Devonta Smith, 
You know, last year when, when Alabama was down to LSU and they really needed to make throws, guess who they threw it to? They threw it to Devonta Smith even when Derek Singley Jr. was on him. So even last year with Ruggs and, and Judy and all those guys, they still went to Smith, and Smith still toasted the, the best corner in college football last year, and he did it again this weekend. You know, he's not you know, the strongest. He's not the biggest. He, he, he doesn't speak a whole lot. He's not a diva wide receiver. He just wins off the line of scrimmage. And when you watch Mac Jones play, watch the Alabama offensive line. No pass rushers ever get close to <laughs> Mac Jones. They don't. And it helps when, you know, they, they have the number one offensive tackles in the country coming out of high school at left tackle and right tackle. That helps out. But to me, it's, it's Devonta Smith. You know, just seeing him win on the line of scrimmage. Every single time, whether it's press, whether they're off uh, playing off coverage, whether it's zone coverage, it doesn't matter. Give it to a wide receiver. Come on, it's 2020, Gordy. It's a weird year. <laughs> yeah, we need, do it. we need to stop with this whole court. It's a quarterback award. No, it's not. Give it to somebody else, please. He is Carter oh, sure. the Power Bryant. You can check out his work at carterthepower.com. It's where you'll find his Power Hour videos does a great job breaking down plays and games and everything else across the SEC, including LSU. Carter, appreciate the time, man. Always great stuff. We always go super long with you, but that's because you bring it, my friend. Thanks so much for the time. Yes, and one, and I, I hate to do one of these plugs on your stuff, but I found something interesting, Chris. I think the future of the five-star recruit has changed, and it's something that's actually is happening at Alabama as well as Eric Gilbert and LSU, I'll post it on my website and all that stuff. But once again, man, going all the way back to our LSU days, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. Carter, the power bride, always brings it. He is uh, tremendous. And uh, I miss seeing him. We usually see each other at SEC Media Days every year. And uh, usually um, we chop it up and talk all things SEC. And hopefully we will have SEC Media Days back in 20. 20- 21. All right, coming up next, our conversation with Lynn Scarborough of lindysports.com. That's next. And the wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is just about here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows starting on December 14th. You can get previews of every team Division by division from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. Always love to catch up with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy's Sports. Does a tremendous job. Hey, Lynn, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Oh, hope everything's good for all of y'all. Uh, it's cold here. It's uh, I, we're doing our fantasy baseball magazine right now. So anybody's got fantasy baseball teams, be looking for us to be on the stands probably in about a month. Well, I definitely play fantasy baseball. I'll be picking up uh, my copy of uh, Lindy's fantasy uh, baseball preview guide soon. Lynn, uh, so much discussion on Ohio State and if they deserve to be in the, in the playoffs. Should Texas A and M get in? What do you think of all this stuff? Yeah, big, uh, you know, the, the thing what everybody ought to be talking about today is what's happening in, uh, up in the Midwest because the, uh, what, what the, the Big Ten decides to do has 
probably such an impact on on so many teams as we're winding down the stretch here in the rankings and the and the uh, college football uh, playoff situation. There's several different points to make on this. Number one is that it's not the fault of the SEC and the ACC that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 chose made right. bad decisions. They chose not to play until the last week of October, not having enough time to even play. I don't think they had but eight games put in to begin with. Um, had no uh, weeks that they could have flexibility for makeup games. Uh, why should they be rewarded for that and other conferences be punished for that? The next I'll say is there's a scenario. Let me just give you this scenario. Let's say that uh, Florida beats LSU, Alabama beats Arkansas, Florida beats Alabama in the playoff. Now you got two teams that are ten and one. Let's say that Clemson beats Notre Dame uh, in the rematch. You got two teams that are nine and one. You got A and M that's eight and one. Um, can and, and and Ohio State doesn't play again. Okay, so can you make a case that a five and zero Ohio State should should have a higher credibility than a ten and one Florida or Alabama nine and one A and M or nine and one Clemson or Notre Dame when they played more games, played a harder schedule? Um, you know, is that right? Uh, I would make the case that it's not. That uh, that you should that you should uh, give credence to the ones who have played more games and 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 have a, have the kind of record that I would have just been given there. Um, and the next question becomes: What if this was Northwestern? Be realistic, Big Ten. If this was Northwestern, that that was at five and zero, oh, would you do the same thing for Ohio for Northwestern that you're doing for Ohio State? Guess is they would not. And if they and if that's the case, then it's wrong on the surface, because everybody should be treated the same way. Um, then what about if you're going to do that? Let's look at Colorado. They're four and zero right now. They're going to be playing another game this weekend. Make them five and zero if they beat Utah. They'd be the same record as uh, as Ohio State, and they're a they're a Power Five conference. So if you're going to do that for a team like Ohio State, then why didn't Colorado, who's under the radar and uh, they have the same record as uh, as Ohio State, and uh, and so would you? So would Southern Cal, I think. Uh, so why would they be, you know, why would they be treated differently? Um, there is precedent. Uh, well, make one other point. I don't like, I don't like changing horses in the middle of the stream. Uh, I don't like the fact that, and I, I got a, uh, I got a, uh, message yesterday. I guess it was when the Big Ten announced that they were going to make decision on this. This guy's a political writer now, so it gets into politics, but he sent a thing and he said, you've got all the discussion about whether or not the election was was done right because uh, after all the rules were set, then the state a lot of the states go in and change the rules, and people are now complaining because they changed the rules in the middle of the stream that just helped one candidate. Well, if that's the case, then uh, football people, why do you think it's all right to do that? Why do you think it's okay to do that for Ohio State? I mean, the rules were set up. I don't like anything where the rules are changed. Once you start the competition, you go by the rules. And right now they're talking about possibility of changing the rules in the middle of the game uh, to help Ohio State. And that's not right. Now, there, there is precedent for it because Alabama three years ago, they didn't, they didn't win their state championship. Auburn beat them. They didn't win their own division championship. So they didn't get to play for their conference championship. So the three championships they could win, the state, the division, and the conference, they didn't win any of them. But they're allowed to go play over some teams that I, quite frankly, thought were just as just as qualified, um, and record-wise, they certainly were. And Alabama wins the national championship. So you've got a national championship winner that didn't win the state, the division, or the conference. 
And so if I'm an Ohio State person, I would say, whoa, the precedent's already been set. You didn't have to have somebody play for their championship. Well, that's fine, but they at least played uh, 10 or 10, 11 ball games, and they didn't play five. And, and, and they went by the rules that were set up at the start. They didn't change the, didn't change the rules uh, in the middle of the game because it looked like that your guy you wanted to win wasn't going to win. Well, Ohio State's your guy that you want to win. If it was Northwestern, would you do the same thing? So I think this thing has got so many problems, and it's just me, and I might be the only one in the audience that feels this way, but I think that a 9-1 uh, or 10-1 team from the Power 5 leagues that chose to do it the right way should get, preferential, uh, uh, should get preference over a team that didn't play but five ball games and whose conference made a bad decision. I mean, they blew this from the very start. You remember the commissioner got in a public argument with Nebraska? You know, that was embarrassing. They were kicking Nebraska out of the league. And then they get the two Michigan teams aren't willing to go vote. So, I mean, it, it would almost be impossible for the Big Ten to have botched this more. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, Lynn, the, uh, the Heisman race – it seems like it's become a two-horse race between Kyle Trask in Florida, Mac Jones in Alabama. I'm screaming, stop making this a damn quarterback award. Devontae Smith is the best player in college football, hands down. If, if Mac Jones doesn't have him, he looks mediocre as hell. If Devontae Smith goes anywhere, he's balling out. Shouldn't Devontae Smith no, be considered for the Heisman? Well, I'm going to vote for him. I, I'm sure he should. Um, and and, and he, they, he may not win it because you may have uh, with Najee Harris, who's a really good running back, and the quarterback and the wide receiver, they might split the votes. But I'm a voter in the Blitnikoff, and uh, they've got the got the ballot sent out to the Blitnikoff voters. So I've got to get mine done. But I'm voting for him for the for uh, for the best receiver in the country. So I I don't have a Heisman vote, but I got a Blitnikoff vote, and I'm certainly voting for Devontae Smith. And and you're right, is you know we've got the Johnny Unitas Award, and we've got the whatever award. We've Maxwell. got like three different awards for quarterbacks. You know. Uh, why don't we have a, you know, but that's the problem with the Heisman guys right there. There's no criteria. And that's one reason I don't put as much stock in the Heisman as, as some people do. Obviously, it's a, it's a very prestigious award, and I've known some Heisman winners. But um, they don't give criteria. You know, you may think it's who did the best this year. I may think it's who had the best career. Chris may think it's uh, who the best player on the team that won the national championship. The, you know, there's no criteria to go by. And so how everyone views the Heisman is different, which is why I don't put as much stock in it because there's no it's a it's a hodgepodge and uh, and it's, it's not any consistency in the way people vote. And plus, they, they have so many voters, you know, they they got, uh, you know, uh, William from Billy Bob's blog and he gets a vote in the Heisman. I mean, seriously, I mean, what, they got twelve hundred voters or something. Um, it's, it's like a, a meeting of at ACC media days or something. Um, <laughs> So I don't, I'm just not that much up on it. And, and But, no, I agree with you. I think Devonta Smith uh, is the best. He's certainly the best player I've seen this year. I did, I did get to see him in person, you know, covering a game. And, um, and he's the best player I've seen. I totally agree with you. And he, he will get my vote for Belitnikoff. Lynn, great stuff as always. Always so much to discuss. Really appreciate your thoughts. <laughs> okay, guys. All right, talk to you all soon. All right, that again, Lynn Scarborough of Lindy's Sports. That is – just about going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Our thanks to Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. Our thanks to Carter Bryant talking all things SEC with us. Tomorrow on the show, you don't want to miss it. We're going to delve a little bit into some SEC recruiting with Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com. Also, we'll preview all of the games in the SEC, getting you ready for 
this weekend. Some teams finishing off their season this week. Some playing one more week next week. Going to be so weird to play the SEC championship game, one at night, but two have other regular season SEC games going on earlier that day. It is going to be nuts. We'll break it all down for you tomorrow on Locked on SEC.